Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. This month, we're going to be talking about the idea of community. And I want to start us off with a discussion of what a spiritual community is. Sort of why do we exist? Why aren't we off at home meditating? You know, why, why on a Sunday morning would we choose to be here together, both virtually and in person? What is it about a spiritual community that's important? Why is it something that's difficult to achieve on our own and so forth? That is the that is the key of this month. And I want to start with a little bit of a loaded question. Remember in the, I'm trying to remember whether it was the 70s or the 80s where Really, the idea of rugged individualism was so well promoted. We had the Marlboro Man. We had that idea of, uh, you know, the Lone Rangers swooping into town and taking care of business. We had the, the people going out, leaving the city behind and building their own little utopias where they took care of everything from drilling the wells and, you know, setting up the households. Really, that idea that a person could accomplish anything and everything all by themselves. And I got to tell you, it kind of messed up people a little bit, didn't it? You you had people that thought they had to be responsible for everything. And I got to tell you, it caused some heartache. And in fact, I would suggest it's still causing some heartache. One of the things I ran across this week while I was studying this topic of uh, of community was an article uh, from the LA Times, and, and I thought it was interesting. The title of it is, U.S. Individualism Isn't Rugged, It's Toxic, and It's Killing Us. And it goes on to talk about some of the things that have happened during our our couple of years of experiencing COVID, of people feeling that their rights were taken away from them because they were asked to wear masks or uh, that somehow their individualism was at stake by, by having recommendations of vaccines and things like that. And it was interesting because the article really feels that it's fueled by the belief that, that these measures represent an undue restriction on individual freedom. And there's a quote from uh, San Francisco giant slugger Aubrey Huff, uh, who said in a Twitter post, just because others may be susceptible to the disease doesn't mean that my world has to shut down. He added that he would rather die from coronavirus than wear a damn mask. And, and I thought it was just interesting. I mean, we all have our own ideas about mask wearing. We have our, all have our own ideas about whether, you know, getting the shot is appropriate or not. And I, and I honor everybody's, uh, uh, everybody's personal take on these things. But at the same time, the article really offers up an idea of rugged individualism or are we here to care for one another? And what's more important? Is it more important that I personally succeed and get what I want? Or is it more important that we all work together so that most people succeed? 
Have you thought about that one for a minute? I'm going to tell you right up front, that's going to be your homework for this week. So know that you're not getting off scot-free homework-wise. But but kind of where are you on that continuum? How willing are you to do for other people, even if it seems like it's at your own convenience, even if it seems like it's maybe etching away at what you consider to be a personal freedom. And I, and I would say, you know, we've had lots of examples of this, right? Remember when I think over half of Americans were smokers and they started relegating the smokers to be the other, <laughs> right? And, uh, you, you know, first the Clean Air Acts come in and people are relegated out into little porches outside and things like that. For those of you who were a smoker, didn't it feel like you're your personal freedoms were being taken away from you. And yet, at the same time, all of the evidence was there, right? My smoking can harm other people. And so most people, maybe initially begrudgingly, uh, but pretty willingly also said, no, it's okay. I don't mind going outside. It's probably appropriate. I am here to make sure that my family and my friends are safe. And so I'm going to do what's right. Now, the reason I bring this up in a conversation around community is that there are sort of three ways of looking at how we relate to one another. One is the rugged individualist. It's that idea of being completely independent. I will take care of myself. I will do for myself. I don't need any help. I'm not dependent upon anything. And then there's the other extreme, the person who's completely dependent, who, you know, doesn't have a job, who takes their cues from other people, the person that, that really needs help uh, or, or chooses to, to get help in almost everything in their lives. And I would suggest both of those extremes, and they are extremes, <laughs> are places of crazy makingness, Right. It's like, if you really think about it, neither of those two ends of the spectrum are a wholesome way to live. But I think there's, rather than thinking that you want to end up in the middle, let's, let's look at a third option. So we have independent and we have dependent. What about interdependent? And I think that's a little bit of a different place than just in the middle between independent and dependent, I think it acknowledges that we all have a part to play in the care and the success of one another. That we all can choose to be in a community, in an environment where we both help and we receive help. And that it's freely done. It's not necessarily that uh, idea of, well, if you do this for me, then I will help you with that. It's more the idea of, no, I have my special talents and I'm here to share them. And I know that when I have a need that is awkward or difficult for me to fulfill, someone will likewise step forward and help me with that. And we'll do it in a way that is lovely, right? Not transactional, not, uh, not oh my gosh, you know, I'll pay you $50 if, you know, you mow the lawn because I can't get to that anymore, right? It's like, no, 
We're here for one another. We're interdependent. And we freely ask for and give help. Now, here's a tough one, though, right? How many of us are almost fearful to ask for help? Oh, come on. Some of you are just fibbing. (laughs) Okay, that's better. That's better. It's very natural. About half of Americans, and that was about what, after I shamed you a little bit, that's about what we were here in the the sanctuary today, too. About 50% of Americans really have trouble asking for help. That old Christian idea, it is better to give than it is to receive, seems to have been instilled on us in a way that actually is a bit unhealthy. It's equally good to give and to receive. And if you think about it, how can there be gracious givers if there aren't gracious receivers, right? All of us in line to help out. What what if there's no one to help, if no one admits that they could use a helping hand? God, of course, is there for the giver and the receiver. And that's what is part of being in community, because we can't actually be interdependent by ourselves. If you, if you think about it, you can be independent by yourself and you can be dependent by yourself, miserably dependent if you're by yourself. <laughs> but the only way that you can be interdependent is in community. The only way you can be a healthy participant in modern society is to be interdependent with others in a community. All right, I don't know how to segue into this next part to talk about spiritual community, but maybe a joke would do it. (laughs) This joke is called The Revival. Three churches, Baptist, Methodist, and New Thought, they decided to work together to sponsor a community-wide revival. After the revival experience had concluded, the three pastors were discussing the experience with one another. The Methodist minister says, you know, that revival worked out great. We gained four new families. And the Baptist preacher said, we did wonderfully too. We gained six new families. And the new thought minister shook his head a bit sadly and said, well, we didn't gain any new congregants, but... On a brighter note, we did get rid of our 10 biggest troublemakers. (laughs) And so, (laughs) yeah, we laugh, but now let's let's groan, okay? (laughs) This has to do, I think, with the four elements of spirituality. Each one of us, typically has gone through four stages of our own spirituality. And it relates to how we come together in spiritual community. So, so let me talk about these four stages and see if you don't identify really with all four of them. I can see where someone might possibly skip one of these stages, but I got to tell you, these are, these are all very descriptive of my spiritual journey. So first of all, there's the undeveloped stage, which is, is true for most children. There's kind of a willful, self-serving, sometimes even antisocial aspect to it. Uh, children and adults tend to fall into this category. It's really a pre-spiritual awareness stage. There's no particular thought to anything above yourself, other than maybe your immediate family members, right? There's not really that awareness of 
something greater than yourself or a higher power. Okay, then typically those same children or young adults often get introduced to a formal and institutional stage, right? That's where the, the kids first go off to Sunday school, typically. And it doesn't, you know, have to at all be in the Christian tradition, really any tradition where, where the kids or young adults are enrolled in, in a well-developed spiritual uh, tradition. Then what tends to happen And this makes sense, too, as kids grow, don't they become skeptical around everything that was good and well for their parents, (laughs) right? That individualization stage where they want to find out for themselves. And so that maps into a seeker stage for young adults and, and adults in their middle years. They're skeptical. They may reject the form of their initial religious training. They want to find out more. And often some of those religions, those source religions, don't really like having to answer those kinds of questions. And so what typically can happen is a withdrawal from spiritual community in that stage. Well, people kind of find themselves at sea a bit. You know, what does it mean to have a higher power? You might have heard it described as spiritual, but not religious too. The idea, well, I know that there's something more than just myself, some kind of a higher power, but I don't really know what it is. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't that other thing. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it wasn't that early upbringing idea. And then finally, uh, again, most adults, oftentimes older adults, but it can happen at any age, they realize that they're missing the community connection. That really whatever their spiritual nature is, there's something missing if they're not sharing it with others. And so very often uh, uh, people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s find themselves drifting back to some kind of a spiritual community. And this time, often it's different. It may not be their childhood religion, or if it is, they may be very particular about who the minister is or, or, or what the particular church teaches, right? And the idea is now we're an informed adult. We know what's important to us. And so it, instead of a religion of origin, it's a religion of choice, It's a belonging to a group of people where you feel that you share a commonality in your beliefs about God and spirit. So those are the four stages of spirituality. And I'd like to briefly talk a little bit about where PCSL fits in with this, where this community fits into it. Because I think we actually cover three out of four of those areas. And for those of you who are just starting out or in one of the areas that I described, this might help you understand how we can be here to better serve you as you move forward through this process. Well, first of all, in that formal and institutional stage, I'm sorry to say that right now we don't have a youth program. And in fact, we're going to be bugging the heck out of you next month during our pledge program to help us fund our youth program again. Because I got to tell you, having a basis in spirituality at a young age, I think is critical. And I would argue that it almost doesn't matter what it is, 
It almost doesn't matter whether you're enrolled in the Baptist Sunday School uh, or whether you're involved in, um, I don't know, a, a, a Buddhist setting. It almost doesn't matter. What we do know is there are going to be some questioning about it later, but to not have it at all is very awkward. It puts young people in a position of not knowing why they feel like there is something beyond just themselves. It puts young people in a position of wondering why I feel the way I do, why I feel connected to things more than just my family. And so I'm hopeful with you all that we'll be able to bring youth church back to to satisfy that that one area of development. The second one, that skeptical uh, stage, we actually address really well through our education programs. We invite people to come in with lots of questions. Like, well, why do you talk about it being spirit instead of God? Or why don't you use God more often? Why, you know, wh- how, what do you believe about Christianity? Are you a Christian sect even? Or is this some crazy made up thing, right? All those questions that the seeker has in that, you know, resisting the religion of the past and now I'm spiritual but not religious and I have a million questions. We're here to answer that. That's what our practitioners do. That's what I do. That's what the classes in particular are aimed to do. So please take advantage of them. If you have questions in your mind, oh my gosh, we have so many programs that can help you answer those questions for yourself, too. One of the, I think, unique things about our center is we don't tell you what to think. We tell you how to think, right? There isn't a lot of dogma here. In fact, you'll remember during the announcements, I was talking about the spiritual principles and practices class. That is an ideal class for you to examine what you believe and how does it fit into this idea of spirituality. And then the last segment, that communal stage, that's, of course, what our Sunday presentation and our Wednesday meditations are. They are here so that we can come together and explore a like-minded view of what God is and, and how we are emissaries of that one heart and that one love. So again, just to review how this center works, we hope to catch you on the front side. We hope that as as children even, you get to be exposed to this idea of something larger than just yourself and just your family. We hope this fall that we'll be opening our youth program again to provide that element of spirituality. We're also here to support people in those questioning stages with our classes, with our practitioners, with our ability to just answer questions and and allow you to explore your own personality and how well you fit in with what we do here. And then finally, we're all about the group spiritual practice. It's why our music program is so strong. It's why we're committed to our Sunday services and our Wednesday night meditations. It's so that we can come together and experience something bigger than ourselves, to feel that unity with all life, to be interdependent. And that leads me to my final point that I want to make. The main reason that we are here, the main reason that PCSL exists is 
for our interdependency. And in fact, next week I'm going to be talking a little bit at volunteerism because my belief is that if the only thing that happens is that you passively sit here like you are watching TV except you happen to be here instead, you're missing out on that interdependency. We are here to support one another. And the way that we do that, first of all, is by getting to know you. So please linger after the services. Take advantage of some of the other things that happen, not just on Sundays. Let us get to know you so that we can be here for you. During the pandemic, we were helping people with their shopping who were maybe a little frightened to go out in the first stages of the pandemic when the, when the disease was in its most deadly form. We did shopping for people. We were helping people with doctor's appointments. Uh, we continue to do pastoral care for folks. We were interested and concerned about people when we don't see them for a few Sundays. There is an interdependency here. There is a How do I want to put it? Well, actually, I know how to put it. When you first walk in, what do you see? Portland Center for Spiritual Living, welcome home. Now, now some of you will say, well, this isn't quite like home. And I know what you mean. And on the other hand, it's almost like home the way I wish it was. At least the promise of that. The promise is we are here for you. And we know that you are going to be here for us. That idea of interdependence. So I invite you as part of that idea of interdependence to become involved. You know, hang out with a uh, uh, lunch with Reverend Larry on Friday afternoons. Yeah, participate in the in our Wednesday night meditation. Linger after the services. Introduce yourself. Get to know people. Be vulnerable. All right, I said the scary word, right? Um, Because I have noticed, especially when people are new, they're a little shy about saying really who they are. They'll, They'll say maybe what they represent or what their profession is. It's actually okay to be pretty vulnerable here. It really is. Let us know what's really going on. If there is something in your life where you could use a little extra help, whether it's finding out what, uh, what this idea of spirit means to you, whether it's uh, someone to help take you to doctor's appointments, whether, well, it doesn't really matter what. One thing I know for sure is we won't get to know you if you're not here with us. So please, please take advantage of this uh, interdependence thing that we have going on. So I did already talk to you about your homework, right? It's that idea of interdependency and, and you know, are you the lone ranger? Are you the totally dependent thing? I don't think so. I think there's something a little different going on with you, and I'd like you to evaluate that in your own lives. And I'm going to close today um, with, uh, instead of a reading from a book, I would like to just tell you my journey here at PCSL through these stages of development and end with a prayer. So I started at PCSL definitely in the skeptical and individual stage. I had been raised in the Presbyterian church, and by the time I was a teenager, I was asking questions that no one there wanted to answer. Honestly, I was asking questions like, well, it almost sounds like you don't think that the Jews are going to go to heaven. 
It almost sounds like you think, you know, that we're the tribe that's making it and everybody else isn't quite good enough. And oh my, these were questions that were not welcome at all. And so I stopped going to church. But there was that idea in me that there was something just greater than myself. And at, at first I thought it had to do with nature. At first I, I think I was becoming a little bit of the nature boy, right? Hanging out in the forest and feeling the strength of, uh, of the trees and nature around me. And that, it made sense. It, it filled that certain part of my sense of unity. But it wasn't the answer. It gave me that kind of numinous experience experience of, oh my gosh, if you can't see God out in the middle of, you know, an old growth forest, well then you can't see God (laughs) because it is so apparent there. But it also niggled away at me. There's something more than this too. Shouldn't spirit be available everywhere? And then I have to tell you, it wasn't until I got involved in, uh, in AA, you know, suffering from alcoholism and willing to be vulnerable in that way, to admit that I was powerless over alcohol and to begin uh, working the steps that I realized, well, wait a minute, there's this higher power that they're talking about. Ugh, ugh. I probably need to actually address that, right? It's like the steps are keeping me from drinking Thank God. <laughs> but, but you know, I'm probably not going to go to these meetings for the rest of my life. Not that there's anything wrong with people that do that. But, but what I realized was, no, 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 no. There's something beyond myself that really is the resolution to this drinking thing. And so many of the guys that were in my various meetings were involved in a, a religion or a spiritual path of some sort. So anyway, I found myself at, uh, at PCSL and definitely in that skeptical and individual stage. And one of the first things I did, I can't believe it. I think it was like on the third Sunday I came, I signed up for the foundations class because I was going to grill. <laughs> I was absolutely going to grill the instructor, you know. Well, why do you believe in Easter and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and she was so kind and so gentle and answered all of my questions. And after about four weeks, of the 10-week class, I went, oh my gosh, just about everybody in this place believes what I believe. I did not realize that anybody had similar thoughts to myself about the innate unity of all life, about the willingness to, to give and to receive. I was astounded that so many people could be like me in that way. Not that there weren't differences, of course. And one of the things I love about our philosophy is we're encouraged to celebrate our differences. Absolutely. But at the same time, it was like, these are my people. Who knew? And suddenly, really pretty darn suddenly, I found myself in that fourth category where I wanted to be interdependent with the lovely people at the Portland Center for Spiritual Living. So let us pray. There is one life, one love, one joy, one peace, one abundance, one robust good health. There's only this one thing, and this thing I call God. 
And what I know about God is that it is everywhere present, all-powerful. It is part of that interdependence because what? We're of it. We're made out of God's stuff. And so for the world to get the world's things done, we are interdependent. Each of us, that divine spark of inspiration, bringing our own version of love and life and joy and abundance of health to the world. It is for us to act on behalf of spirit as we come together in spiritual community. And truly, even as it uplifts our own spirits, we uplift the world. We make the world a place that is welcome for all. And I give thanks for this. I give thanks for having a a place to come to every Sunday for these many years. I give thanks for this place that attempts to give and give and receive and receive I give thanks for these spiritual principles and practices that have made all the difference for me and for so many other people. And so in gratitude, I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.